good morning, Life Church. Welcome to today's service. And can we welcome our West Campus, our Appleton Campus, our online campus here at the Germantown Campus? I want to give a big shout out today to Jeff and Katie Coggins, who are our, our Appleton Campus pastors, as Appleton is officially launching this weekend. And so we're t- super excited about what God's doing in Appleton. And thanks, Jeff and Katie, for your leadership. And it's just great to see everybody today. I hope you enjoyed that, that uh, video of my run around the world. I don't just <laughs> preach and do missions work, but I bring a film crew along and just thought we would get a little bit of footage of what I do in my off time. You don't get a body like this overnight, people. And it's not cheap. This is very expensive. So I'd like to thank my sponsors, uh, Under Armour, Spanx, and a few others that would help me keep my my wardrobe together. It is great to see you, and if you have your Bible, I'd ask you to open it to Acts chapter 9, the book of Acts chapter 9. I'll get there in just a minute. If you don't have a Bible, it's going to be on the screen uh, in just a few minutes when we get to that place. But we're starting a brand new series today uh, called uh, Finish Strong. And, um, you know, it's not really how you start the race. It's do you finish the race? That's the ultimate question. That's really what we want to do. And, and finishing is a whole lot harder than starting. Uh, it's easy to start. Everybody starts. But few people finish. And we don't just want to just finish this race. We want to finish strong. We want to excel. We want to, to ascend the mountain and, and, and accomplish what God's put in our heart. And I believe that every person has a reason to be on this planet. Every person has a, a purpose statement. I am created to blank. And for me, it's the local church. I love the local church. And I'm not saying if you don't work in local church, you don't love the local church. I just feel like I'm called to lead, to serve, to be a part of, and a full-time vocational capacity of a local church. That, that's, 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 it. that's what gets me up in the morning. And, um, but in running this race and living this life, you have moments where you feel like you're going to quit. You have moments where you feel like this just isn't worth it. There are days where you just go, I, you know, really? I mean, uh, and I think Jeff Coggins likes this statement. I shaved my legs for this. I don't know why, Jeff, you like that. But anyhow, I mean, there are just moments where you just kind of go through and you go, really? This is, this is what it is? And sometimes we make mistakes that are our own, that we need to own, that we're in the middle of a mess because we created that. But sometimes we're in situations that life just happens. You get blindsided. Something happens to you. You know, fairness ended in the Garden of Eden. Uh, Since then, life has not been fair, nor will it be fair. And when you follow Jesus Christ, it doesn't make it any easier. Sometimes it makes it actually harder because now the enemy of your soul puts a target on you. There's kind of like an an amount on your head, if you would. And he is like a roaring lion, we talked about last weekend, seeking whom he may devour. And so you you have these times in your life where you just feel like quitting. And Scripture is full of people who failed. And some of those who quit, many of those, though, who succeeded, not because they were strong, not because they executed perfectly, but because they refused to quit. This weekend, I had an interesting situation and, and kind of a, a cool deal. Is I, I was uh, in Germantown Chamber of Commerce, an annual dinner and banquet that they had. And uh, here at Life Church's very own, Kevin Nash was, was awarded the Citizen of the Year in Germantown. Give Kevin a big hand. And you, Life Church, were awarded the Organization of the Year 
for the community of Germantown. Never happened before for a church has ever been honored in that way. And I'm sitting in a restaurant in Germantown, and my mind goes back to 11 years prior, where at my very first Chamber of Commerce event, I show up. I don't know one. As soon as I open my mouth, everybody knows that I'm not from here. Maybe I'm from like Racine County or something that's south of here, but not North Washington County, right? And I don't know anyone. I have, and, and, and as soon as, you know, in those types of business settings, you know, it's after they ask you your name, they want to know who you are and where, where you work. Nobody in any other church is in that room. And then when I say the name of the church, they just kind of look at me like, oh, it's that church. Because here's the history of Life Church. And I'm sitting here getting ready to receive the award for, for the organization of the year in this community of Germantown on behalf of you, Life Church. And I'm thinking back to that moment. It was in this place. I'll never forget how alienated I felt, how the enemy just tried to make me feel stupid, like, you know, you're here and, and this won't work and all of these things. And in the middle of that, I, I am sitting there going, but look at what God's done in these, this decade or so later. Because when this church started, it started with uh, Evangel Assembly of God on Good Hope Road, a great church in the city of Milwaukee. Uh, the, the pastor there at that time, Dr. David Arnett, who is now the president of North Point Bible College in Boston, Massachusetts. And, and, and Dr. Arnett had a vision and had a dream and a passion that there should be this, this life-giving church in Germantown in Washington County. So he began to, to share that vision, and there were about 35 lion chasers, I called. You know, it's, that's kind of, a, of, of an ode to, to Benaniah, who was one of the mighty men of David, who the Bible says uh, uh, didn't run away from a lion, but actually chased the lion down into the middle of his pit in the middle of a snowy day, and emerged from that lion's den a victor. So these people were people that, that believed that God could and believed that God should and that he wanted to and defeat was not an option, very much finish strong type mentality. And so they, they came together and began this church. And we're affiliated with, with, with a fellowship of churches. And, 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 and they said, hey, we will, if you will supply the people and, and help with that, we'll, we'll get a, a minister to kind of help lead. And so they brought in a minister to help lead. And in doing so, you know, this just happens. Yeah, you know, we're all flawed, we're all failed, but, but this particular individual just did some really bad and some stupid stuff. And so uh, 15 months later, had embezzled, you know, tens of thousands of dollars from the church, this new church plant, had left the church in a position to where when I arrived, we could not get a cell phone in the name of the church. That's bad. You know what I'm talking about? Let's just be really real. When, when, the, when the cell phone guy walks out and says, hey, man, I know you passed the church, but I can't get you a cell phone on their credit because it's shot. I don't know what happened. You're just like, okay, this is really, because I mean, everybody has a cell phone, right? I mean, you, you go to the ends of the earth in the middle of nowhere, and a Maasai warrior out in the Serengeti, is, he's got a cell phone in his hand, right, with a spear in the other hand. I mean, everybody has a cell phone. I mean, even in Arkansas, where I'm from, they, 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 they're emerging from landlines of cell phones, but they're getting there, right? I mean, everybody has a... And the people, you, Life Church, did nothing wrong. But instead of quitting, instead of just kind of going, you know, man, this is just done like a Thanksgiving Day turkey, that hundred people said, no, God's called us here. No, we will not retreat. We will not surrender. Perhaps God will show up on our behalf. And now some 11, 12 years later, 
from that incident. That's exactly what's happened. And it's happened not because the history of Life Church is flawless or without failures or without problems. And, and please don't misunderstand. I don't think like I'm Superman. There's no S on my chest. There, there's no thing like, well, I showed up and then look what happened. No, 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 no. It kind of went from bad to worse when I showed up. I mean, four people left the church and just said, I, we don't know why you're here. And I was like, man, I kind of agree with you, but I can't leave with you right now. <laughs> I mean, I moved in the middle of winter, and I moved from Oklahoma, and I thought I was in Siberia. It was like, oh, my goodness, it's so cold. When will it stop? Not till June, July or August, maybe. <laughs> but the deal is it's because of the spirit of this church. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. Because today, not only are you meet in one location, we meet in three locations. Today, not only are you touching just people here, but millions of dollars have been given to missions because of this church. Today, countless numbers of relationships, marriages, homes, lives have been changed because of this life giving, grace-filled message of Jesus that you proclaim every week. And I'm sitting there about to receive an award where the Chamber of Commerce is speaking so wonderfully about you. I just wish we could have all been in that restaurant together. And then a representative from the state of Wisconsin gave a proclamation about what a wonderful organization you are. And, and then there was, there, there was a proclamation given from the county, Washington County, about what a great church you are. And then from the local, from the city, the mayor was there and spoke so great on your behalf. Not because we're perfect, not because we're the best thing in town, not because we're awesome, but because we refused to quit and we didn't let failure be final in our lives. And that's a life lesson for all of us today. And, I, and there's many places I could start, but I just want to show you this one place in Scripture, a gazillion places in Scripture, but the Apostle Paul. And the life of the Apostle Paul, how this worked and what he said about not allowing failure to be final in your life, about finishing strong. So I'm going to give you a lot of Scripture this morning in a very short amount of time. But some of you may not know who Paul was. Paul was a persecutor of the church. Paul thought he was doing right, but he was doing completely wrong. Paul basically led one of the greatest genocides of his time against the Christian church. He would literally not just, not just try to persecute them, but would literally try to kill them. That was his job. He was the Hitler of his day, if you would. And God chooses, when he looks on the landscape of humanity, he doesn't choose a perfect person to help lead his church. He doesn't choose a, a flawless person. He doesn't even choose a person that's in the camp of Christianity. He chooses someone completely far away from him and says, that's who I want to use. That's who will write most of the New Testament under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. That's who will lead and tutelage the greatest churches in the first century. That will be the man that I will put my hand upon and I will use him. Acts chapter 9, verse number 1, the Bible says this. Meanwhile, Saul, that was his name before he was converted to uh, relationship with Jesus, was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. And he went to the high priest and asked him for the letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found anyone there who belonged to the way, who belonged to Jesus, 
whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. And, and, he, and as he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard the voice was God saying, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? On that road to Damascus, he has an incredible experience. He has an amazing life change. And there has been a couple of years that have taken place, but his failures are still remaining. And I want you to skip on down to verse 20 of Acts chapter 9. And at once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. Now, he was killing people for this earlier. That's what his job was. And now he's proclaiming it. And all those who heard him were astonished and asked this, Isn't he the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who called on his name? Look at what they thought. Hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners as a chief priest? They're thinking, he's come here to kill all of us. This is just a smokescreen, man. This is just a, a Trojan horse type of approach of what he's going to do. Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Christ. So you see a guy who is completely outside the fold that God chooses in his infinite wisdom and sovereignty that this is who I'm going to use. This is what I'm going to use. Not because he's flawless, not because he's perfect, but because his hand is, my hand is going to be upon his life. Let me just stop right here. This is sitting in my notes. But God uses us, not because we're perfect, not because we're flawless, but because he chooses to. It doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter whether you love Jesus today or you don't. God may use you to do the greatest work for him that you've ever known. Why? Because he, he's so far above us. He's so far beyond us. And, and, but I've looked at this and said, why did God choose Paul? You can turn over to 1 Timothy if you want to. You just kind of turn to the left there a little bit. And uh, 1 Timothy, Paul's writing to his young protege, Timothy, who's pastoring the church in Ephesus, which was probably one of the largest, fastest-growing churches in the known world at that time. 1 Timothy chapter 1, Paul talks about why God chose him. Look at verse 13. And even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy. Why? Because I acted in ignorance and unbelief, and the grace of the Lord was poured out on me abundantly, along with the faith and the love that are in Christ Jesus. Here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Paul kind of puts it in a, uh, just to capitalize it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of who I am the worst, Paul says. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy, so that in me, the worst of sinners... Christ Jesus might display his unlimited patience as an example for those who would believe on him and receive eternal life. Why did God use Paul? Because of his grace and mercy. Why does God use you? Because of his grace and mercy. Why is God using us? Because of his grace and mercy. Our righteousness is as a filthy rags in the sight of a holy God. You will never be able to execute perfectly. I will never be able to execute perfectly. I don't know what it is about people and church and religion, but it stinks. It smells. It's rancid. Because there's something about us that we feel like once we get cleaned up, we need to get everybody else cleaned up. We feel like that once we feel like we've got a corner market on it, that we should just tell the world this is how you need to look. Just, just, just follow me, right? Just, it's all right here, baby. No, the reality is, is we are one beggar telling another beggar where to find food. We are been saved by grace, and that not of ourselves. It's a gift of God, lest any of us would become arrogant, boastful, crusty Christians. You ever met somebody like that? They got the corner market. Well, I've been serving God for 20 years, Pastor Cole. They always talk like that, too. I don't know why it is, but they do. 
I understand you to say that we're sinners saved by grace, but I think we're a little bit more than that. We're children of the king. No. <laughs> Buddy, you're, you're as jacked up as anybody, and so am I. And when we come to the end of ourselves, for the Apostle Paul, who was a leader in the New Testament church, who innovated missions as we know it, and world evangelization, who literally epitomized the Great Commission to go into all the world and preach and teach the gospel, who gave his life as a martyr for the cause of Christ, for him to say of himself, I am the worst of sinners, and God chose to use me as an example that if he can change me, if he can save me with all of my faults, with all of my failures, he can change anybody. That's why God chose Paul. And Paul gives us some insight of what do you do when you face failures? What do you do when you face these situations? Let me give you a couple things here. Number one, say goodbye to yesterday. When you crash and burn, when you fail, say goodbye to yesterday. Yeah, you need to repent. Yes, you need to own up. Yes, you need to define reality. Yes, you've made a mistake, whether you got blindsided or you caused it. But once you get through that, and once, you, once you've confessed it and you've moved, you need to say goodbye. You cannot fix yesterday. You cannot do anything about yesterday. And the enemy of your soul and my soul wants to bring yesterday up like a, like a bad record, like a, like, like a bad video on YouTube. He wants to just keep bringing it up, replay after replay after replay. Paul says to the church in Philippi in Philippians chapter 3, verse 13 and 14, One thing I do, Paul says, forgetting what is behind, straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Do you not think... As Paul's sitting there writing most of these books that we're reading today and the references that we're reading, he's writing them chained in a Roman dungeon awaiting his own sentencing and hearing that ultimately will lead to his death. Do you not think in some way he's thinking, well, maybe I deserve this because I killed a lot of Christians. Maybe I deserve this. Maybe this is just bad karma because at some point in time, you know, I, I, I did this to a lot of people. I imprisoned a lot of innocent people, and I'm innocent. I'm only here because I'm a, I'm, I'm, I'm a citizen of Rome, but yet I'm here because I'm being brought because I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. Maybe I'm just kind of getting what I deserve. I'm sure he did. But yet in that moment, Paul says, no, the thing I do is I forget what's in the past. And I move, I move ahead. I cannot change yesterday. I move ahead. I can't go back to yesterday. I move ahead. You, you, you can't fix yesterday. You, 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 you can't fix what you left. You, you, you can't. You just have to say, here's where I am, and I need to move ahead. And as a church, that's what we have to say. Here's where we are. Let's move ahead. Say goodbye to yesterday. Next is find the benefit in every bad situation. There's an upside. In every bad situation, in every bad experience, find the benefit. What is it that you need to learn? What is it the truth that needs to transform you? What is it? Because there's something that's there. Paul says to the church in Corinth, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8 and 9, we are hard-pressed on every side, but we're not crushed. The upside. We're perplexed, but we're not in despair. We're persecuted, but we're not abandoned. We're not alone. We're struck down, but we're not destroyed. Verse 17, he goes on to say, For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs all of them. I've talked to and continue to talk to that group that was here, that hundred people that survived the beginning of this 
church where everybody else said it should have shut down. And this passage would very much describe some of what they went through. Because they had friends and family members that they had said, hey, why don't you come? Why don't you see this? Why don't you do this? Hey, hey, why don't you be a part of this? And then only to be kind of somewhat publicly humiliated, have the proverbial egg on your face. They felt very much pressed in on every side. They felt very much perplexed. They felt very much persecuted. They felt very much somewhat abandoned. They, they, they felt, but but what, they, what they did not do was lose perspective, that God was doing what God wanted to do and that God was going to do what he was going to do and that he was going to build his church and the gates of hell would not prevail against him. And that even though this was a bad time and a bad season, God ultimately was working things out for his good. That's what happens. If you allow failures to crush you, to stop you, it's over. If that group had allowed that failure in the beginning to stop the church, you would not be here, I would not be here, and life as we know it wouldn't be changed. There are people here on all of our campuses, you're listening to me speak, and you gave your heart and life to Jesus because of this church. Yes, God may have used someone else. Yes, God has a plan for your life. Yes, it may have happened. I don't know, but here's what I do know is it wouldn't have happened here and it wouldn't have happened in this place. And as I look around in this room and as I just kind of reel through my mind of all of the hundreds and even thousands of people that are connected to Life Church, I just go, those people wouldn't have been touched and those lives wouldn't have been changed. But the attitude was, there's something we need to learn here. There's something we need to grow here. This is not going to destroy us. This is not going to defeat us. We are going to to overcome. And that's what we have to do in life. And that's what Paul says. Hey, you may feel, you may feel abandoned. You may feel alone. You may feel perplexed. You may feel despair. I joke many times, but sometimes it's true. Every Monday morning I quit. But before I quit, I go to Starbucks. I have myself a grande skinny cinnamon dolce latte at 180 degrees. And I say to myself, self, you can go one more week. And I sign up for one more week. And maybe that's where you are. One more week in the marriage. One more week following the, the pursuit of God. One more chance. One more. Find the benefit even in every bad experience. And the last thing that Paul talks about when you face failure is redefine future failures. You redefine future failures. Redefine how you look at failure. See, failure will teach you more about yourself and you will grow more through failure than you ever will through success. Success, <laughs> success is like a death sentence sometimes. What happens when you accomplish the goal that you've set up for your life? What happens when you, make, when, when, when you seal the deal, when you close the deal? What happens this happens in every one of us, our lives. You pursue that, that person in romance, and then all of a sudden, you've got that person. And, and, and now you're married, and then, and then you feel like you lost that love and feeling. It's gone, 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 whoa, whoa, whoa. You've accomplished something, and now you've got it. You got the job. You got the corner office. You got the six-digit salary. Maybe it's a seven-digit salary. Maybe it's eight-digit salary. See me after the service. Whatever it is. And then you just kind of have this deal of where do I go from here? 
I mean, we read in the Old Testament when Elijah, he ascends Mount Carmel and he calls down fire from heaven and destroys the prophets of Baal who are taunting God. Where do you go from that? It's what, we in, it's what we in ministry call the Mount Carmel meltdown. I'll tell you where he went. He went and laid under a tree and said, I'm just going to die here. And God had to send ravens to feed him because he went in such a deep depression. There are times in our lives where all of a sudden we hit, we hit areas, we hit places, we hit plateaus, and we just feel like we're in despair. And we feel like that, 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 that and, 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 and success does that to us. But failure... Failure will teach you more about yourself. Failure will teach you more about who you are. Failure will help you if you'll lean into it and learn. If you'll humble yourself. The Bible says a broken and a contrite spirit, a humble person God will never turn away from. Someone who thinks they know it all? (laughs) Dude, you are jacked up. Stinks to be you. I mean, loser. Stamped on the forehead. There's no hope. But when you are humble before God, God goes, I can help you. I want to help you. But if you think you've got your life all together and you've just got all this pretense, you know, we in church, we do this really, really, really well, don't we? Oh, everything's fine. Good morning, brother. How are you doing today? God bless you. Just be honest. You lost your job. Life stinks. You wonder where God is. You thought this is what God wanted, and now here's where you are, and you're feeling in despair. How do you deal with this? It's, it's about attitude. Paul says it this way in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 10. Sorrowful. It's okay to be sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. I may be poor, but yet making many people rich. Having nothing, yet possess, possessing everything. Paul basically says, I redeem my failures and my hardships by choosing to rejoice. By choosing to understand this is momentary. By choosing to understand that God is greater. By choosing to understand that God has a plan. By choosing not to lean to my own understanding. By choosing ahead of time that when failures come, when hardships come, when troubles come, when downturns come, I'm not going to run around like Chicken Little saying the sky is falling. What I will do is choose to rejoice. Choose to trust. That's difficult. This is a whole lot easier to preach than it is to live. To choose to walk this out. And I know somebody in this room, you're just going, dude, okay, bro, I've been to church, been all this, mass, blah, 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 blah. You know, I was baptized a baby, dedicated. Blah, blah, blah. And I just think God is somewhere out there in the cosmos and doesn't really care about us. And I just think you're doing this because at the end of the day, you're going to get a paycheck and this is what you're doing with your life. And I'm glad for you and I'm happy for you, but this just doesn't work for me because God really doesn't care because he doesn't understand. The priests don't understand. The pastors don't understand. You guys live in these little ivory towers, these little goody-two-shoe land, and you just don't get it. And if you just come down off your high horse just for a minute, some of you are going, man, he is reading my mail. God gave me your name before this morning. No, I'm just teasing. (laughs) But that's how people feel. And you're not laughing because you're like, oh, my goodness. How can God really understand me and my faults and my failures? How does he really get me? I mean, come on. Hebrews chapter 4. I want you to hear this verse. This is, I love this, verse 15 and 16. For we do not have a high priest 
who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses? You may have a pastor that's unable to sympathize. You may have a priest that's unable to sympathize. You may have a pope that's unable to sympathize. But we don't have a high priest, he's referring to Jesus, who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. But we have one, this is why, we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are. Now, I want you to stop and think about that. I'm not being sacrilegious, and I am not in any shape, form, or fashion bringing Jesus down. But the Bible says he was tempted and tried in every way, that passage, just as you and I are. Sexual temptation, greed, lust, pride of life, arrogance, gossip, rumor, backbiting, murmuring, complaining, throwing in the towel. In every single way. Even when Jesus is on the cross, what does he say? Why? Why, God, have you forsaken me? Have you ever asked God that? Why? Why am I here? I don't get this. Yet was without sin. That's the operative powerful part of the phrase. And because of that, let us approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. You know what that passage says? God understands your failure. You know what that passage says? Is that Jesus gets you. You know what that passage says? Is that whatever it was that sunk your battleship, he faced the exact same temptation, yet he was able to avoid it and live life without sin. And some of you go, well, see that he didn't understand that. Okay, let me ask you a question. You want to go ascend to the top of the Himalayas. Do you want to go with a guide who has been there and took everybody on the team up there and brought everybody back? Or do you want to go with a guy who gets lost every time and people die? <laughs> do you want to go on a whitewater rafting trip? Who the guy says, you know, about six out of every ten people fall out of the boat and we don't know where they go. <laughs> Do you want to get on a Malaysian airline right now? No. No, the answer is no. Where do you want to go? You want to be with someone who has navigated successfully and they've been able to come back and say, I'm here. Right? I do. If Captain Sully... Who, who landed the, the United Airlines or, or the United flight down in, in, uh, in, in New York successfully. With, that's, the, that's the plane I want to be on, right? That's who, I, I want to go with a guy who's been to the top of the mountain and who's made it back safe. I, I, I want to be with a guy who's been able to successfully navigate through life and been able to do it and execute perfectly. And that's exactly what the Bible says. Jesus had every temptation, had every opportunity, had every situation, yet he executed it perfectly. That's who I'm following. Because you know what? He knows how I feel. He understands how I feel. Yet at the same time, he can show me the way to go so that I can either avoid or that I can get out of and get back on track. See, God's a God of second chances. And for some of you today, you need a second chance at peace. Paul would say, Excuse me, John would say in John chapter 14, verse 27, Jesus says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give peace to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Some of you, because of 
things that have happened and failures that have happened. Your past troubles you and problems just pursue you. And there's a peace that you need. And the Bible says that that's what Jesus does. He comes and he gives you peace. Some of you just need another chance and shot at life. Life here, not just in the sweet by and by, but the here and now. Romans chapter 8, 28 says that we know that in all things, that's everything. In all things, God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. That means that the mistakes that you make, God can redeem them. That means that where you're blindsided and life wasn't fair, God can redeem it. That means that even when things look like they're working out, God ultimately will work things out for your good. God also gives us another chance at eternity. I love this verse. Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All have sinned. We're all sinners. I'm telling you, we are all sinners. And we have all fallen. But it doesn't end there. Romans 6.23 says that for the wages of our sin, the payment of our sin is death. But that the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. I don't have to live in my sin. I can be saved. I can have eternal life. Not only can God redeem my todays, but he can redeem my tomorrow. And so here's what I want to do today. I want to end with prayer. Because I know, I know in a church our size, there are, there are those of us that are really have just, this failure issue is fresh. Something happened this week. Something took place this week. And you just needed to hear this. Some of us may be facing something this next week that God's preparing us for right now that this message will help us. And maybe you're here today and you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Maybe you're at the, at the West Campus and you're far away from Jesus or you're at the Appleton Campus and, and you, you just, you're far away from Christ and someone invited you and, and you've heard this message and, and this grace and this life and all of a sudden you just go, that's what I want. I, I'm gonna give you an opportunity too. The Bible says in Romans 10, 9 and 10 that if you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart that Jesus is who the Bible says that he is, that you will be saved. And the peace of God that passes all understanding will flood your heart and your life. So I'm going to ask everybody to bow your heads. Germantown campus, West campus, Appleton campus, everyone to bow your heads. And I'm going to pray this prayer. And I'm going to pray for you. Then I'm going to give those of you on all of our campuses an opportunity to pray a prayer with me for salvation. And then our campus pastors are going to come back and going to wrap things up. God, I just thank you today for your grace, your unmerited favor that you give us. And I thank you, Lord, that the Bible is not a book full of people that executed perfectly, but it's a book that's full of people who were fraught with failure, yet you redeemed them. And your ultimate good and their ultimate purpose was fulfilled. So I pray today for everyone under the sound of my voice what city they're in, what county they're in, where they are right now. I just pray in the name of Jesus that you would just fill their heart right now. You would just fill their minds right now with the peace of God and with, with, with God, with, with your love and with your strength. And I just pray, oh God, that you would give them perspective. 
that you would give them hope, that they would feel hope in this, that if you can do this for Paul, who killed Christians, you, you can do this for us. If, if you could do this for someone that's so far away, you, you can redeem us. And, and if your word is true, that you understand, Jesus, that you understand what I'm going through right now and how I'm feeling right now, and that you will not let more come upon me than what I have the ability to handle. And that when the enemy of my soul comes in like a flood, that Jesus, you'll raise up a standard against him. I just pray that in the name of Jesus. We sometimes don't have answers to questions, but we can still have that peace of God to know that you do and that we just need to trust you and have faith that you are working things out for our good. Now you're here today with every head bowed and every eye closed. Whether you're in Appleton, whether you're in Brookfield, Pewaukee, whether you're in Germantown, whether you're watching online and you want to give your life to Christ, I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer with me. Praying this prayer doesn't save you, but if you believe what you're about to pray, you will be saved. You'll be in a right relationship with God. Pray this prayer with me. And those of you that have never prayed this, those of you that have prayed this prayer before, lend your voice on all of our campuses with those that may be praying this prayer for the very first time. Dear Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart to come into my life. Forgive me of my mistakes, failures, of my sin. I am a sinner. And Jesus, I believe that you are my Savior. Change my life today. Fill me with your peace today. Redeem my past today. I give you my life in Jesus' name, amen. And Father, I just pray for those that prayed that prayer, that you would just fill their hearts with your love and with your peace. Let the transformative, incarnational power of Jesus Christ fill their lives, fill their hearts, fill their spirits right now. Lord, I pray let your indescribable joy fill them right now. And let hope fill every part of their soul and their being. God, I thank you today for meeting us here. I thank you for the power of technology. God, I thank you, Lord, for lion chasers in Waukesha County. Lion chasers in Appleton, Wisconsin. Lion chasers here in Germantown. Thank you for what you're doing in our church. Thank you for how you don't allow faults or failures, blindsided or otherwise, to define or to destroy, but that you, God, are in control and that you do as you will. And we pray that your continued blessings upon us. In Jesus' name, amen.